Well, good morning and welcome to Better Life Church. I want to welcome everybody in Grayson. So good to see you guys. Everybody online as well. Everybody here in the house of Mora. Today's a very special day. You know, we're in this series called March Madness. And when we were planning this, we thought about, hey, what's some of the guys on staff and some people who are not on staff, maybe they can come and preach uh, this Sunday or these three Sundays. And, and next week, we get to hear from Pastor Jacob, our student pastor. He is awesome, man. He is right now with a group of about 40 of our high school students in Ohio. They're on their way back from a camp, from a, camp, a conference they've been at all week. And this is something great. Watch this. Three of our students who went with them gave their life to Jesus. Come on now. Is that not amazing? That is awesome. They're on their way home right now, so y'all need to pray for their safety because I know they've been up late because that's what you do when you're a teenager, right? And you just stay up late on time change night. Come on, really. So anyway, y'all need to be praying for them when they come back. But today I'm really excited because I, I, we have Pastor Allen, who's from Emmanuel Baptist Church in Corbin, and they have a campus in Winsburg. They're going to be launching several campuses soon on the moon, I heard. I don't know. They're like launching campuses everywhere. But um, Pastor Allen and I, we met in seminary. And I'll never forget, we were sitting in class, and he was sitting beside me, and I didn't know him. And the, the, a debate broke out in seminary class whether we should give invitations or not. And, and I didn't know Pastor Allen. Of course, I don't like to speak, and I'm shy. Y'all know that. And, uh, and I looked over at him. I said, I don't know about you, but the book of Revelation, at the very last, in the very last verses in, in the Bible, it says, the Spirit and the Bride says, come, and, and let those who want come. And if Jesus invited people, man, I just want to be like Jesus. I'm going to give people a chance to be saved every single Sunday. He's like, word to your mother. You know, we bump fist, and that's what they said in the early 2000s. But anyway, and, um, and from that moment, what Pastor Al, uh, Adam preached about last week about friendships, man, that, that's what's really become. In fact, he's one of our overseers here at Better Life Church. We've preached, he's no stranger to us. He's preached here several times. I have the opportunity to preach at his church in January. And so, guys, listen, you're in for it today. My boy, Pastor Allen's going to come. So could you give him at both locations? Come on, a round of applause. Welcome, Pastor Allen, to the stage. Word to your mother. That's what I'm talking about. Man, good morning, good morning church. Uh, those at Grayson, man, I am privileged to be here today. Uh, we absolutely love your pastor, Pastor Daniel, and his entire family, the Bishop S, Leanne Lucas. I mean, she's incredible, and uh, what a friendship, and we're so thankful uh, for that uh, friendship. It's an incredible time to be a part of Better Life Church and what God is doing uh, here at Better Life. And I just want to let you know, if you don't know already, you have the best pastor I've ever known. And, and, and amen, amen. And, and you, many of you know that and experience that, but just through the years, I've been around a lot of churches and a lot of people, and Pastor Daniel is my favorite pastor. And, and the Bishop S, Leanne, she's my favorite pastor's wife. And you need to know something if you don't already know it. They are the same people through the week as they are here on Sunday. And some of you might not see that, but as they hosted us in their home last night, cooked an incredible meal, and the hospitality, it was just absolutely beautiful. Excited. God is using them in an incredible way. God is using you guys in an incredible way. Uh, your church attendance puts you in the top 2% of all churches in the United States. It's a, that's amazing. It's amazing what God is doing through each and every one of you. But as Pastor Daniel would say, the enemy is not afraid of the size of the church, but it's the unity of the church and people coming to faith. And you are among state leaders every year and people coming to faith. And brothers and sisters, that is what it's about. It's about the dead coming to life in Jesus. It's about proclaiming the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ and living lives 
and that are so attractive to others that they want what we have. And that's what you're doing so well. So what a privilege uh, for me to be here today. You know, Psalms 115.1 says, Not to us, O Lord, not to us, but to your name be glory because of your love and faithfulness. And I see that in your staff, and I see it in you. So what a privilege to be here today. Uh, the last relationship series, uh, the last series, sermon series on relationships, and I, not only did I watch that, I sent it to my kids to watch and listen and friends and counseling sessions. And I'm just going to be honest with you right now. The last sermon uh, in that relationship series, I think I watched seven times. And if you know what that was on, you know why, right? I mean, and some of you need to go back and watch that. And you'll watch it seven times, just like I did. But uh, Pastor Adam did a great job last week. And as we're in March Madness, a week from today, the bracket comes out. A week from today. Now, we all know Kentucky should be a number one. They might put them a number two. And then North Carolina will be the number one. And the Sweet 16, uh, Kentucky will have to play the Toronto Raptors. And the Elite Eight, they'll have to get through the Golden State Warriors. That's just how they do us every year, right? But bring it. We're ready. I mean, they, they're going to be Travis Reed's going to be back. It's going to be an amazing, amazing time. But let's go ahead and let, let's get into our message today, Conflicting Kingdoms. And if you're ready, say, let's go. Let's go. Right? We're ready. And, and let me just kind of give you a, a little, just a story that kind of helps illustrate this ideal that we're going to get into in Mark chapter 6. You want to turn in your Bibles on your devices to Mark chapter 6. Three months ago, uh, we went out west to Washington State uh, to, to look at some churches and kind of what they were doing and, and just trying to learn from them. And so it's a bunch of uh, church leaders from around the country, and we were gathered together. And one evening, we're, we're going to this pizza joint to, to eat. Picture like a subway, a subway, but it's a pizza place. And you'll order personal pizzas, and then they, they cook it in, a, in an oven, and it was, it was really, really an interesting uh, setup. And so we're there, and there's a bunch of us there, but we're waiting on the last people uh, to, to arrive. And as, as they arrive, so the last one comes in, and we all get up, like 20 to 25 of us, and get in line. So all of a sudden, there was no line, and now there's a big line. And this guy walks in, he walks in the door, and I see it, and I see the, the fear in his face, you know, and the disappointment, and his eyes kind of buck out. It's like, oh, man, are you kidding me? You know, this is one guy, and I, I happen to see it, and I'm up the front, so I just kind of motion him forward. Like, come on, come on up front, let's, and you jump, we're all together, once you just go ahead of us. And, and so that builds a little equity with him, and, and so I'm, I'm a pastor, this is a church conference, I want to talk to him about the Lord, and so I'm like, hey, uh, where do you go to church at? weird look back, all right? I mean, he looks at me like I am so weird. And, and so I, I pick up on that. I'm real perceptive, right? And, and so I, I said, okay, if you went to a church, where would you go? And he's like, I don't know any churches. So this is a guy about 28. He orders his pizza, he gets his beer, and he sits down and he just distances himself. He sits in a corner and he looks in the corner so he doesn't have to make eye contact with any of us. And I'm thinking, man, this is a different world. I mean, out west, I mean, it's so different, you know, in the Bible Belt. I mean, if, if after, after service, if we go to Cracker Barrel or we go eat somewhere, I mean, we're going to probably engage someone that at least know, they know about a church in our area. And it was just such a different world. It was conflicting worlds. Well, last, this January, uh, when Pastor Daniel and his family came uh, to Corbin to preach uh, at, at our campus uh, there, 
the night before, they introduced me to Fortnite. The Fortnite. All the fellows were playing. And, and so they wanted to hook me up so we could play together. And they gave me the name Pastor 007. All right. Their expectations were way too high, all right? 007, I am not. And, we're, 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 and so we're playing, and we're going back and forth, and, and so I'm playing with one of the Lucases, and he's like, no, hey, listen, what, why don't, let's just go after each other. He kind of gets bored of trying to help me learn how to play Fortnite, and let's just go after each other. And I'm lasting like three seconds. And then, you know, after you get killed, you kind of come back in on this, like, flying device, and he's like, shoot me in the air. Okay, and, he's, and it's just not enough of a challenge for him. So he says, let's just use sniper rifles like it matters, okay? And I had no clue. And I mean, he's just, man, he's, every time, three seconds. And, and I'm playing with the youngest Lucas, right, Jake. He's eight years old. And I mean, he just, he just wears me out, but it's a different world. I don't get it. I don't get the joystick. Now, bring back some techno bow, right, or some John Madden. I'll light him up, right? But before, it's just a different world. I don't understand. I don't understand the joystick. It's different. It's a contrasting worldview that we see in the Gospel of Mark chapter 6. And, and to kind of get us to the, to the verses, we're going to begin in verse 14 in just a second. But prior to this, Jesus sends out the disciples and he gives them power to do miracles and cast out demons. And as they go out, they do some amazing things. And they see God just work through them in such a powerful way that other people begin to hear about it. And that's where we pick up in verse 14. King Herod heard of it. That's the miracles and all that Jesus was doing. For Jesus' name had become known. Some said John the Baptist had been raised from the dead. That is why these miraculous powers are working him. But others said he is Elijah. And others said he is a prophet like one of the prophets of old. But when Herod heard of it, he said, John whom I beheaded has been raised. And then verse 17, he goes into flashback mode, a literary device. For it was Herod who had sent and seized John and bound him in prison for the sake of Herodias, his brother Philip's wife, because he had married her. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And Herodias had a grudge against him and wanted to put him to death. But she could not, for Herod feared John, knowing that he was a righteous and holy man, and he kept him safe. When he heard him, he was greatly perplexed, and yet he heard him gladly. Verse 21, but an opportunity came when Herod on his birthday gave a banquet for his nobles and military commanders and the leading men of Galilee. For when Herodias' daughter came in a dance, she pleased Herod and his guest. And the king said to the girl, ask me for whatever you wish, and I will give it to you. And he vowed to her, whatever you ask me, I will give you up to half my kingdom. And she went out and said to her, her mother, for what should I ask? And she said, the head of John the Baptist. And she came in immediately and with haste to the king and asked, saying, I want you to give me at once the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the king was exceedingly sorry because of his oath and his guests. He did not want to break his word to her. And immediately the king sent an executioner with orders to bring God, John's head, he went and beheaded him in the prison and brought his head on a platter and gave it to the girl. And the girl gave it to her mother. When his disciples heard it, they came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Now, guys, this is a messed up story. And, and to begin to understand and kind of unpack what's going in the story, I mean, it just gets more jacked up the more that you read it. 
and the more you understand what's going on. See, King Herod had a brother named Philip. And when Philip was in Rome, he had an affair with his brother's wife, Herodias, who's in the text. And so Herod convinced Herodias to divorce her husband, his brother. And then King Herod also divorced his wife. And the two of them got married. Not only that, you need to understand that Herodias is actually King Herod's niece. Ugh. You know what I'm saying? This is messed up situation. And that is why John the Baptist says, listen, it's not lawful for you to do that. You, you can't divorce your wife and then convince your brother, your, your basically your sister-in-law, to divorce your brother and the two of you hook up. She's your niece, bro. You know, this is not a situation that you should be engaging in. And so, but because of, of his, his understanding of who John was, he, he rested John, but he didn't want to do more, even though Herodias, because Herodias would hear John preaching this. Listen, the reason why he was arrested, because John wasn't afraid to tell them what they were doing was wrong. He wasn't afraid to talk about the kingdom of God and how the kingdom of God is better and is life-giving. And as he's preaching, he's imploring with them to do what is right in the eyes of God, she doesn't like it, and she nurses a grudge, and she wants to take him out. But King Herod's like, no, we're not going to do that. But then King Herod, he, he come, his birthday comes on, and he throws his own birthday party. Anybody ever done that? Anybody? Any hands, right? Grayson, anybody there ever do that? You, you don't throw yourself a party. And listen, picture, this is a drunken bash. I mean, this is the elite of society are there, and it is decadence. It is insatiable situation where there's food and, and the dancing from her. Now listen, it's Herodias's daughter, not King Herod's. And she is there and she's dancing. Now in your minds, don't picture a ballerina. Picture a pole in a sleazy bar. The Bible says here, she pleases them. This is an erotic dance. Not only is this an erotic dance that pleases them, but it is childhood pornography. In the text, she is called a girl, which is clearly, it's a young girl, not even at the age of being able to be married yet. Another reason why we know she is young, probably about the age of 13, is that when he says, listen, I mean, he is drunk out of his mind, and he offers how much of his, of his wealth? Up to half of his net worth. Now, I don't care how wealthy you are, that's, that's going to change your position in society instantly. Because of his debauchery, he is clueless and irrational. But she pleases him so much, he says, up to half my kingdom. And she's just a little girl. She's like, wow, this is amazing. I don't even know what to ask for. So she goes to her mother again. Mark, Mark is wanting us to know how young she is. He is tipping the hand of, of how crazy and how mad this situation is. She runs back to her mom. She's like, Mom, they liked it. I pleased them. What should I ask for? Without hesitation, ask for John the Baptist's head on a platter. And she goes back. She goes back to the king and says, I want the head of John the Baptist on a platter. And the Bible says that, that the king was sorrowful. He... he but what, he wasn't sorrowful over what she was asking. But because he had made such an oath, he didn't want to go back on his word. In other words, listen, he didn't want to look bad. He didn't want to look bad in front of anyone else. And so the Bible says immediately he does it. 
Now, on, on first reading, on cursory look at this text, we're, we're like, man, this is a crazy, this is a crazy situation. But it's not unlike today, is it? It's not that far-fetched from today. We're, we're really not that far away ourselves personally from being King Herod. See, I think we all have a little Herod in us. See, he would listen to John. I can almost picture on certain days when, when Herod, King Herod would get bored, he would go down to the prison and he would sit on the other side of the jail cell and he would say, tell me again, John the Baptist, tell me again about the coming kingdom. Tell me again about the kingdom of God. Tell me again what heaven's going to be like. And John would begin to preach the gospel. He would preach uh, from the prophets of the Old Testament. And as he would preach, King Herod would enjoy it. See, we can come on Sunday mornings and we can love the message. We can amen the message. We can hallelujah the message. And then we go out during the week and it doesn't change us. Just like King Herod. He loved the message. He's like, preach on, preacher. I love it. Come on. And he would, on Sunday mornings, he'd get his worship on, right? And he'd five, be high-fiving people. But during nothing changed. He liked what was being said. But his lifestyle was not changed one bit. There's far too many times in my life I can look back and I was a King Herod. Too much of King Herod. Listening, reading the Word of God, but my, not in... in not making a difference in my life and who I was. You know, King Herod, King Herod had killed the best, the best, biggest prophet of all times. Jesus said that. Jesus said of John, he said, there's no prophet born of woman greater than John. King Herod had the greatest prophet of all time beheaded because a little girl danced before him, pleased him, he made a no, and he didn't want to disappoint anybody because of his own reputation. And he killed the best prophet of all times. And then when the, when the request came, it just says he was sorry. Repentance is something far different than being sorry. We can be sorry we got caught. We're sorry that it turned out that way. But when we hear the word of God, God calls us to repent. God calls us to turn. We turn from our sin and we turn to God. We change the way we live and the way we talk. And for a better life. A better life in Christ. Let's go back to the text. Verse 30. So, so back to current time, current story. The Bible says, the apostles returned to Jesus and told him all that he had done and taught. And he said to them, come away by yourselves to a desolate place and rest a while. For many were coming and going and they had no leisure even to eat. And they went away in the boat to a desolate place by themselves. Now many saw them going and recognized them and they ran there on foot from the towns and got there ahead of them. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. And when it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, This is a desolate place, and the hour is late. Send them away to go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he said to them, You give them something to eat. And they said to him, Shall we go and buy 200 denarii worth of bread and give it to them to eat? And he said to them, How many loaves do you have? Go and see. And when they had found out, they said, Five and two fish. Then he commanded them to sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups by hundreds and by fifties. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven 
And he said a blessing and broke the loaves and gave them to his disciples and set before the people. And he divided the two fish among them all. Verse 42, so important. And they all ate and were satisfied. And they took up the 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of fish. And those who ate the loaves were 5,000 men. You see, the reason why these two events do not happen back to back. Mark puts them back to back so we would compare the two parties. There are two parties going on here. There's two different kingdoms. One party is thrown by King Herod. The other party is thrown by King Jesus. That's why the beheading of John the Baptist is a flashback. It happened maybe months ago, maybe even a year before the feeding of the 5,000. But more, he butts these two up together so we would understand how different the kingdom of God looks. And when Jesus sees his disciples, they'd been out. I mean, they'd been doing ministry. It'd been difficult. They'd been persecuted. And he sees how tired they are, so he cares for them. He's modeling ministry to them. He's modeling how we should act and how we should have compassion. And then Mark writes that he, Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. Why? Because they were like a sheep without a shepherd. Listen, a sheep without a shepherd is in a dangerous position because they're vulnerable to the enemy. And, and Jesus had compassion on them and he acted on that. And so he turns to the disciples and he says, Hey, okay, I hear what you're saying. They're hungry, so let's do something about it. Let, let, let's move into the situation and let's show care and compassion. And did you notice the response of the disciples? You're like, bro, that's like 200 dinar. You really want us to do that? Right, right at first, they're not hearing what Jesus is saying, even though he just modeled it to them. He's, he's now preaching to them, giving them an opportunity to respond in faith. They don't respond positively at first, but then they do and they see a miracle. You see, they are in sharp, sharp contrast to King Herod. King Herod heard good preaching, but didn't do anything about it. The disciples hear good preaching and are reluctant at first, but then surrender to Jesus. And out of their obedience, they see a miracle. See, your, listen, your level of obedience is directly related to how much power the kingdom will display in your life. The more obedient you are to God, the more you're gonna see the power of God unleashed in your life. And as we talk about these two kingdoms this morning, which kingdom do you reside in? Which kingdom are you living in? And as a church, listen, we want you to have a better life. We want you to have a better marriage. We, we want you to have a better situation and standing in life because of King Jesus is at rule in your life and in your heart and you're in his kingdom. And that's what leads to a better life. We preach for transformation, not for information. King Herod had all the information, but his life wasn't transformed. The disciples, on the other hand, they heard preaching and they were transformed by the power of the gospel. They heard the message of Christ and they responded and saw God do some incredible, incredible things. See, we have two kingdoms in conflict here. Verse 42, the Bible says they ate and were satisfied. They were full. They were satisfied. They were content. But in, in verse 12, when we, if you go back, actually, if you, if you go back into verse 20, uh, we see that, that, that he was sorrowful. Let me ask you, do you think they were satisfied at King Herod's party? 
Think they were satisfied? Listen, I think they had everything they want, but it was insatiable. It wasn't enough. They never had enough. There's more food, uh, more dancing. You know, bring everything we desire. And yet there was still no satisfaction. Herod's party, let's just look at them in comparison. One brought sorrow, the other brought satisfaction. At one, there was just the elite, the generals, society's higher class. But the party of Jesus, there were the poor, the broken, the wounded, and the elite, and the rich. Because see, access to Jesus' party only requires that you seek him, not your standing in life. So, so let, let me end just with a couple points, a couple take-homes. What, what does that mean? As you look at these contrasting kingdoms, as you look at the party of Herod and the party of Jesus, as you begin to look at how different they are, well, we should be different. Our kingdom, the way we live our lives, should be drastically different than that of the world. How we respond to the teaching of God's word is drastically different. So what? So what? What does it matter? Number one, I would say this, and I encourage you to write this down. As a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus, we seek to serve others. In, in the kingdom, in the party of Herod, he was seeking to serve, serve himself. But in the party of Jesus, we're here to serve others. Life is not about us, but it's about serving others. Herod threw a party for himself. King Jesus threw a party for others. And while Herod was served, Jesus was serving and I know it's so contrary to what this world says. This world says, get all that you can as quick as you can and have people serving you. But the kingdom of God is such a paradox. For in giving up your life, you actually find it. It's in serving others that you truly are satisfied. But if you're living a life just wondering what you're going to get out of it, you'll just live a life of sorrow and emptiness. So we, as a part of the kingdom of Jesus, we seek to serve others. But also, as a citizen of the kingdom of Jesus, we bring life. We bring life. Listen, church, when we walk in a room, we should raise the temperature in that room. We don't walk in the room and we're not wallflowers, then nobody knows we're even there. But because we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, we change the dynamic of situations. Not because of our personality, not because of our ability, but because of He who lives in us. Because the Holy Spirit of God is a resonance in our heart. When we walk in a room, the temperature rises. We bring life wherever we go. The kingdom of Herod brought sorrow and death, but the kingdom of Jesus brought satisfaction and life. We bring life into our marriages. We bring life even in our brokenness, in our failures. We bring life because Jesus brought life to us and because the Holy Spirit of God fills us. John 10, 10 says, the thief comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. That you might have a better life. And understand, in that world, for, listen, you have the wrong scorecard. You've been using, I'm sorry, you've been using the wrong scorecard. See, the scorecard of the world is wife, certain house, certain job, 
a 401k at a certain amount, my bank, bank account busting at the seams. That's your scorecard. That's the scorecard of the kingdom of this world. The kingdom of God, that is not. Scorecard's different. How can I serve? How can I bring life? How can I give my life away? A man is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. That's a quote from the famous missionary, Jim Elliott, who gave his life on the mission field. Listen, the way to life is to give it away. When you lay down your life and you die to self, a beautiful bud of life emerges in your heart. You see, King Solomon said in the book of Ecclesiastes, chasing the scorecard of this world is like chasing the wind. You never get it. You're never satisfied. It is hollow and deceptive philosophies, Peter would later say. And I, some of you, you get it, you understand. Because you've reached the pinnacle of your career only to lose your family. And you thought if you climb that mountain at the top of that mountain with satisfaction, but you've only found sorrow and regret. It's because you've been in the wrong kingdom. Jesus desires to bring life to you. So let me ask two, two diagnostic questions. Two questions that I think will help us today. The first question is this, which kingdom mirrors your life more accurately? I mean, it's, I mean, listen, I, I'm, just, I'm a friend. Listen, I, I'm just here. I ask the same questions myself. So in a moment of honesty, what would you say? Which kingdom mirrors your life more honestly? I know all of us have a little Herod in us. But in this moment, in this day, what would you say? Which kingdom are you in? Secondly, second question. What do you need to do today? so that your life aligns with the kingdom of Jesus, that your life might align to the kingdom of Jesus and all that it means and all that it brings. So you need to nail that down today. Don't let another day, not another service go by. Stop playing games, take off the mask, get rid of the pretense, get rid of the facade and say, King Jesus, I am here and I come and I repent of my sin, all that secret sin, all that that's in my life that I don't want the person next to me to know and that you've been living in the kingdom of Herod for far too long. Listen, the longer you're in the kingdom of Herod, the more comfortable you get and the harder it is to leave because you get comfortable with sin. You get comfortable with the situation. But yet Christ has come to set us free. Christ has come to deliver us, to give us a long and lasting kingdom. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and I'm going to pray for us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. And let's just, let's let those questions wash over us. Which kingdom mirrors your life more accurately? What do you need to do today so your life aligns with the kingdom of Jesus? And right now, you're ready to take that step. In Grayson, here in Moorhead, you know what party you've been a part of. And the Holy Spirit has awakened you to your need to repent and turn to Jesus. And right now, you're going to take that step. God brought you here this day to hear this message that you might respond to Him in faith right now, today. And I'm, we're going to give you that opportunity in Grayson, here in Moorhead, to respond to Christ, to take that step 
to say yes to Jesus today, that you might be satisfied, that you might be fulfilled because of Christ in you. And if that's you today, and you've been living in the kingdom of Herod, I'm gonna ask you just to pray with me right now to receive Christ right now. The invitation is for you. This day is for you. That God loves you that much that he would orchestrate all the events that are circulating this day for you because of his great, amazing love for you. And right now in this moment, you are overwhelmed with the love of God. You hear his voice and you know that he is speaking. He is calling. And I'm going to invite you to pray with me right now. Lord Jesus, today I repent. And just say that in your heart and your mind. Today I repent and I give my life to you. And Lord, I come seeking you and you alone. And I'm going to make you Lord of my life. Today I'll make you Lord of my life. And God, I will follow you all the days of my life. Give me strength today, God. In just a moment, if you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. If you pray that prayer in Grayson, pray that prayer today. Here in Moorhead, raise your hand. We want to know. I want to pray for you. Amen. I see those hands. There's two hands there. Who else today will join these two that have raised their hands to receive Christ? I am thankful for these that have raised their hand. Those in Grayson that have raised their hands. And they say, yes, I'm ready to join the party of Jesus for the kingdom of God is a party a party that satisfies, a party that fulfills. In just a moment, I'm going to finish this out in prayer. And, and when I do, those that raise their hand, listen, we want to encourage you. We're going to ask you to go to the Next Step Station in Grayson and here in Moorhead. To go there, our hosts are going to get up and they're going to walk out with you. They're going to celebrate with you. They're going to encourage you and they're going to give you some resources that are going to change your life. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, Lord, I thank you for these that have given their lives to you. And God, today, as, as they go and, and they walk out, God, and they go and, and they're celebrated today by our host team. God, we're so excited for them. God, continue to work in them and through them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us online today. If while watching this message, you were led to take a next step or made the decision to start following Jesus, we would love to celebrate with you. Let us know on our website at betterlife.church slash next steps. To stay connected throughout the week, download the Better Life app and consider subscribing to our YouTube channel or podcast. Lastly, if you would like to support what God is doing through this ministry, you can give online at betterlife.church slash give now. We're praying you have a great week and hope to see you again soon.